0: I've been to several psychics in my life. It was fun. A few of them told me stuff that could apply to just about anyone, and one of them was eerily accurate. But none of them seemed to have evil intentions or tried to take advantage of me. However, my friend was not so lucky. Many years ago, we used to meet in New York City every Thanksgiving. One day, we passed a shop with a psychic reader sign outside. I thought it would be really interesting to get our fortunes read. My friend, though, who was usually up for anything, was scared. I couldn't believe it, scared of what? Surely, she didn't take this seriously. Maybe we'd find out when we would meet our next Prince Charming or our careers would skyrocket. We could even compare notes and see how much she told us the same thing. So I teased her into going along. My reading was interesting and fun and yielded no astonishing revelations. When my friend came out, though, she was white as a sheet. Unlike me, the fortune teller had told her she had an evil spell on her and needed to pay her $1,000 to have it lifted. Fortunately, my outrage over what happened, not to mention guilt over twisting her arm in the first place, helped her get over her fear and put it past her. It was a really good reminder for me in several ways. Number one, not to try to talk a friend into something she didn't really want to do in the first place, but also how vulnerable we can be to people who tell us they can see the future. On today's episode, we'll take a look at a woman who put so much stock into what her psychic told her and was so enraged when it didn't come true that she killed her. The art of telling fortunes is an honored tradition in the Vietnamese culture. In 2005, 52-year-old Ha Jade Smith was a respected Vietnamese fortune teller in the community of Little Saigon in Orange County, California. Ha had built a respected reputation over the years, with clients visiting her from all over the U.S. Fortune seekers would pay her a lot of money for her services, which ranged from psychic readings to love spells. Ha enjoyed her success and was known for her expensive taste in fashion and jewelry. She lived with her 23-year-old daughter, Anita Vo. Anita was a college student and not involved in her mother's work, although she was used to her mother's clients visiting their home all the time. Tanya Jamie Nelson was one of those clients. She and her family had been seeing Ha for years, and the fortune teller was an extremely influential person in their lives. Tanya had followed much of Ha's advice when making big decisions, including the move of her lingerie shop to North Carolina, where Ha had predicted she would have more success. But when Tanya visited Ha on April 21, 2005, she was enraged with the woman who had shaped so much of her life. Not only had Tanya lost money when she moved her business, she had had to file for bankruptcy. And only a few days earlier, Ha had angered Tanya when she refused to cast a love spell for her the stage was set for a tragedy. What started off as a typical fortune-telling session between the two women and a friend of Tanya's, Philip Zamora, soon turned into a massacre. After Tanya and Zamora settled in at Ha's home, Tanya began stabbing Ha's daughter Anita with one of their kitchen knives. Philip joined in the attack when Ha began screaming. He smashed a wine bottle over her head to silence her and then began stabbing her too. Although the women fought for their lives, The sudden onslaught of violence was too much for them to handle. The killers left Hot and Anita dying in pools of blood while they robbed and trashed their home. Tanya stole cash, jewelry, mobile phones, and credit cards, but she wasn't finished. They left the house briefly and drove to a nearby Walmart to buy white paint. Strangely, when they returned to the fortune teller's home, Tanya and Philip poured the paint over the two women's heads and hands, their final act of violence. Authorities were called the next day, when Anita's friends couldn't get in touch with her. When police performed a welfare check at the Smith home, they discovered a bloody crime scene. Ha and her daughter had been stabbed multiple times in the head, neck, and upper torso. Defensive wounds on the women's hands proved they had fought fiercely for their lives. The house was in shambles, and it was obvious things had been stolen. Ha had been burglarized in 2001, And investigators initially assumed robbery was the motive for this attack. But the crime scene was too violent to explain a simple robbery. They suspected there was more to this story, especially with the mysterious white paint poured over the victim's head and hands. Investigators looked into the significance of white paint in Vietnamese culture and realized it was serving more than just covering up evidence. White is the main color worn at Vietnamese funerals. It also symbolizes remorse. Some Vietnamese superstitions believe that the white paint would have kept their souls from finding their bodies in death. Covered in white, the soul wouldn't be able to see or recognize their own face. One difference between this robbery and the previous one was that there was no sign of forced entry. It was clear that Ha and Anita knew their attacker. The police checked her appointment book and noticed that Tanya Nelson had scheduled an appointment the day of the murder. When Tanya used Haas' credit card to purchase her return flight to North Carolina, police were notified and tracked her down. Tanya Nelson was arrested in Santa Ana, California, on May 30, 2005. Police found her outside her hotel room with a purse full of Haas stolen credit cards. She has spent approximately $3,000 of Haas' money on a variety of purchases, leaving quite a paper trail and making it easy for investigators to locate her. A searcher for home in North Carolina turned up a flight receipt that led them to her accomplice Philip Zamora. The flight was in his name from North Carolina to Orange County, the same day Tanya had flown into there. Investigators also found a calendar in Tanya's home with the words "horrible sin" written on April 21st, 2005, the day of the murders. It didn't take long for Philip Zamora to confess to his part in the crime. He explained what happened, pointing the finger at Tanya as the mastermind behind it all. They were both charged with two counts of first-degree murder. Philip went on trial first and pled guilty on April 12, 2010. He testified in court that Tanya had told him she was going after Ha because of a bad reading. According to Philip's testimony, Tanya believed that Ha Smith deserved to die because she had let her down. Defense lawyers for Tanya, however, claimed in court that Zamora was lying to avoid the death penalty. Tanya's trial began in January 2010. A number of theories were put forth as to why she had killed Ha and her daughter. Some believed the motive was wrapped up in Ha's manipulation of people through fortune-telling. Others believed it had nothing to do with predicting the future at all, that Tanya was just greedy and selfish and knew Ha had money in her home from her business. On February 15, 2010, Tanya was found guilty for the murders of Ha and Anita Smith and was sentenced to death. On March 13, 2019, California Governor Gavin Newsom issued an executive order halting all California executions, including Tanya's. However, while Tanya's fortune may have slightly changed for the better, the executive order expires in 2023 when Newsom's term ends and her ultimate fate is still unclear. Whether or not there are people who can tap into another world is still up for debate. 35% of us believe we've actually had an otherworldly experience of our own. Whether or not somebody in this world can be held accountable for knowingly and falsely claiming to have psychic abilities depends upon where you are and what was done. In California, for example, an astrologist has just as much right to charge for services as does a stock picker or political pollster. New York law, on the other hand, forbids anyone from claiming to have the ability to tell fortunes unless it is part of a show or for entertainment. But fortune-telling fraud, knowingly lying to victims and gaining their trust in order to steal from them, is different from a simple psychic reading. It's a crime that most victims fall prey to when they're having trouble with money, romance or help and are desperate for help. The fake psychic manipulates clients into believing that a curse has been placed on either them or their families and that the psychic is the only one who can remove it. No one deserves to be murdered because a prediction doesn't come true. And no one deserves to be taken advantage of when they're emotionally vulnerable. But we all deserve the confidence to trust our gut when something doesn't feel right. Sometimes it knows what our head hasn't figured out yet.